Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Monday the 16th of May. Today, I'm joined by Duncan Balkan, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. How are you today? Good morning, Peter. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. So, um, as, as we say, um, listeners, we've got uh, Duncan, the Duncano uh, Balkan. I call him <laughs> Duncano because he's a, a vo- he's veritably erupting with uh, great ideas uh, at all times, basically. Um, so, uh, I thought I'd give you that that introduction. Um, <laughs> um, so, anyway, um, what uh, story caught your eye the most uh, from today's Watson's Daily? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I can only disappoint after that introduction. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm going to live up to that billing. Um, so, yeah, the story that caught my eye this morning is a, a story about uh, just-in-time supply chains. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it's from the Times originally. Um, so... I mean, I'll just do a brief a brief description just in case people haven't um, heard this phrase before. I imagine most people will or can work out what it means. So just in time is obviously a production strategy um, whereby producers or manufacturers produce something just in time for when they think it's going to be needed rather than, and the whole point is it's meant to improve a business's return on investment because you've got less kind of in-process uh, inventory holding, uh, less carrying costs, that sort of thing. Um, so the whole point is obviously making something just before it's needed rather than storing lots of it. Um, so this, um, the sto- anyway, the, the article from the Times is saying that kind of, thanks to a combination of COVID and Brexit and, and now the Ukraine war, um, manufacturers are kind of leaning slightly away from this whole kind of just-in-time um, model of supply chain, more into kind of a just-in-case uh, <laughs> arrangement, which um, is kind of seeing a bit more stock being held um, and countries companies uh, all kind of looking at using more local suppliers so obviously they're holding things onshore rather than offshore uh, and there's less likely to get hit by any of these kind of global issues Mm. um so that's interesting i think for a few reasons um obviously you could argue with everything going on the work in the world this was kind of bound to happen at some point Mm. um and it is a pattern that tends to happen every time there's a natural disaster or war or anything like that in Mm. um countries and the country, uh, companies inside them look at their supply chains and goes, yeah, this is slightly skewed. We're slightly too reliant on outside sources. We're going to change things. And, and then normally what we see is a bit of a change. And then slowly but surely, <laughs> they, mm. they slide back to kind of what they used to be doing because that's where the lower prices are uh, yeah. on the whole. Yeah. Um, I think this one's interesting because actually we've now seen a couple of years with the supply chain issues. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's going to slide back quite as quickly as it has done before. Mm. Um, and obviously, I, say, I think I said briefly earlier, countries are looking at kind of diversifying their suppliers. Mm. Um, but what that tends to mean is that obviously you've got more different suppliers. You're probably ordering less, I would assume, item quantity from each supplier. And at that point, I think unit cost is going to go up. So at some point, there's going to be a knock-on increase in cost to the consumer, which obviously nobody wants to do at the moment. Um, cost of living is going up for everybody. So I think that's another interesting dynamic to look at. <clears throat> and I think there's two kind of areas that could really benefit as a result of this. Obviously, I've said we're going to be looking at companies and countries and all sorts of um, people storing more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like this is another story that's going to really boost um, one of the things we've been looking at a lot recently, which is warehousing. Warehousing mm-hmm. is doing really well. 
And I think this is another another story that actually leads into that story of, well, yeah, actually, this is going to benefit warehouses as well. Good time to be in warehousing or in storage or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were talking briefly earlier with this whole thing of bringing a lot of processes onshore rather than offshore. That yeah. is to increase cost. Um, and one of the easiest ways of, incre- of decreasing costs, sorry, within those sort of warehouses, storage units, uh, storage facilities, sorry, is to reduce the amount of labour being used. So I think this could also be kind of pointed towards more automation being used in those processes because, okay, there's an initial outlay with with the robots or whatever's picking and packing your products, but over time it's cheaper than employing a workforce. So I think yeah, I think it's interesting. I think obviously, like I think it was probably slide back to looking at the the, the cheapest price at some point, but probably slower than normal. And I think yeah, for, for warehouses, particularly warehouses with decent automation already in place. I think this is this is a really kind of interesting story in terms of they're going to do very well out of this. Um, so yeah, what's your what's your take on this story, Peter? Yeah, I mean, I think you've made some excellent points there, and I think that um, you know automation is is definitely um, a big uh, you know a, a big thing. Um, and I, I don't know, it just seems to me there are there are a few kind of initiatives which make me think that actually manufacturing in the UK there's there's quite a lot of interesting new stuff coming in 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 the world in the world of manufacturing you know you've got the um like british vaults gigafactory and other gigafactories in you know potentially in the pipeline you've got um the you know rolls royces um small modular reactors which mm. are supposed to be largely manufactured off-site and then kind of brought in to be kind of assembled um then you've got companies like Rivian, uh, not Rivian, um, Arrival, Arrival or Arrival, I don't know how to say, but Arrival, let's call it Arrival, um, you know, which is making uh, electric uh, buses and vans and things. Um, and that, you know, that's going for the, that's going not for the Gigafactory model. It's going for localization. So mm. it's going to be having facilities um, nearer to where they supply. Yeah. So all of these things would suggest that there's there's a lot going on in manufacturing. I think that, um, uh, like you say, I think that that the the increased incidence of onshoring is going to mean that. I mean, I, I think there will be more jobs. I think there will be more jobs in manufacturing as a result of these new initiatives. Um, but I also think that um, you know that, that all of these things will have increased prices, increased unit costs, and therefore um, will increase the need for um, auto, uh, for automation. So there will be more of that. I mean, I, I don't think um, that there are many, there are, there are many UK companies that, you know, do automation sort of from start to finish. I mean, I would imagine that there are some that do parts for this, this, you know, for that sort of stuff. Mm. But I mean, the only, the one that, I mean, comes to mind for me from my days of of being a stockbroker uh, for Japanese equities is uh, a company called Fanuc. Uh, that's spelled F A N U C, um, which most people, you know, who've not come not come across Japan really won't know. But it is one of the biggest um, automation, you know, um, industrial automation companies mm. in the world. Um, so you know, might be. Again, good for them. I mean, they always they always seem to do pretty well, anyway. But um, but yes, I mean, there's just going to be more 
more of this and it just it won't just be us either i mean i, I think everywhere is, is doing the same thing you know everywhere um is seeing the need to be increasingly self-sufficient mm. um in terms of production and so therefore i think that uh you know the whole market is you know all the in- interest in anything to do with warehousing to do with you know manufacturing robotics that thing sort of thing is is all going to increase i think yeah talking about automation and and companies that do it have you seen any of the pictures of the ocado warehouses uh yeah i have in the past i have yeah. in the past yeah they, they, i mean i think i think they're probably the closest we've got over here to, to being a fully automated uh, mm. picking system they? they've kind of got what I can only describe was what looks like the trolleys you get on an airplane that come down with all mm. the food on, but automated yeah. that would kind of work over what they call a hive. So it's like a honeycomb structure, isn't it? And they just yeah. from the crates underneath them. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. But I, I would assume at some point there is some sort of human interaction before they leave the warehouse. And I, I think the other interesting thing with this is if, if we are looking at more automation, you, like I said, you might end up with either a similar level of jobs or or less, but actually the jobs will probably be of a different nature. So rather than mm. what you could argue is an unskilled job of, of picking and packing, mm. you're going to end up with probably fewer jobs, but for more skilled people. Like, so you're going to need engineers and things mm. to keep these systems running. So I think obviously it's going to be, yeah, there will still be jobs, but it might be different jobs. It'll be interesting to see mm. whether companies train up their staff to be able mm. to do that or whether they look elsewhere if that happens. Well, I mean, it was interesting I because mean, I, Obviously, you know, I, I read a lot of um, articles to come up with um, mm. Watson's Daily, but the I did uh, see that there there appears to be there was some um, survey that was done which which showed that there are more um, uh, companies are increasingly turning to their existing employees mm. and retraining them. I mean, I, I think it's been relatively well documented at, at Amazon. Um, for for doing that, um, and they are trying to do this and and get their existing employees to do that. But I have to say, I mean, I look. I mean, this is a while ago. I must admit, when I came out of university, my first job was in a in a factory. I was in a big manufacturer's, and you know, the people were lovely, right? The people were lovely. However, if I were to say use that as a as an example. I think that there would only be a relatively small number of people who, mm. let's say, I mean, there, there were a, a lot of people. So this, this was a, a, a manufacturing facility that made TV screens and computer screens and things. Right. And um, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, th- there were people who were packing um, these screens into boxes on shifts for eight hours a day. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's literally standing at the end of the line, picking the uh, you know picking the screen up, putting it you know in the packing, putting it in the box, and then putting it on another line. Yeah. That's what they did for eight hours a day. Now, I would suggest that some people who doing that kind of job, they will be a bit trickier to you know uh, retrain into something that is um, more technical should we mm-hmm. say um now that's not to say all of them will be but what i'm saying is is that um you know i think that people tend to gravitate towards jobs that they feel comfortable with yeah and to sort of go in with one thing and then being asked to do something else might not be everyone's cup of tea no. so um so it'll be interesting to see how successful it is i think it's a good thing to offer because 
at least you're then giving people the chance to do it. Um, but equally, it, not, it is not for everyone. You know, a lot of people like going to work, doing their time, and then going out, you know, you, yeah. uh, just going out with their mates afterwards. Yeah, you know, and for a lot of people, that is, that is fine. Not everyone is super ambitious and going in and, I want to climb to the top of the company, so therefore I'm going to do it. Not everyone is like that. Yeah. Um, and I and actually, I think that with within a company, you do need a mix of highly ambitious people, but also people who are, you know, just happy with going in and doing their stuff and um, being surrounded by, you know, their friends and things. That's that's also good. You know, yeah. it's just everyone's, as I say, different strokes, different folks. I mean. It, not everyone is, you know, not everyone is the same. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, 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 de- so definitely some interesting things to watch on, on that story in terms of how it develops and, and who yeah. does well out of it, I guess. Um, yeah. because there, will, there will be someone that does well out of this, uh, as per usual. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah. that was my favourite story uh, in today's What's Up Daily. Uh, what was yours? Oh, yes. Um, so mine was, was, was about diamonds. Of course it was. Um, <laughs> diamonds. So, in fact, on, on What's Up Daily, you just have to glance, your, your eyes just move across the right hand side of the page um to see to see um this story so it's um so de beers uh is 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 obviously is well is well known um and uh but it is actually you know part of the biggest bigger mining uh, conglomerate anglo-american anyway basically what this um this article, uh, which is also from the Times, actually, which is, is talking about how De Beers is trying to um, accelerate efforts to make a process but whereby it can prove the provenance of its diamonds. And the reason for that is because um, as sanctions continue to rain down on, on uh, Russia, um, it, it's becoming increasingly difficult to track where the diamonds come from. So... <laughs> Um, so the thing is, so uh, it, Russia is one of the world's biggest producer of rough, rough diamonds. Um, and then it's apparently it is currently getting around sanctions because 95 um, percent of the cutting and polishing of its diamonds um, is done in India. And so because it's rooted via there, it's classed, I guess, as, as originating from India when actually it originates from Russia. Um, however, there's talks to, uh, you know, to curtail that practice. Um, and some people are saying it is very difficult to tell at the moment where your diamonds come from, because you could get, say, blood diamonds and mix them in with non-blood diamonds, I guess, or similarly like Russian diamonds and mix them in with other diamonds. And no one's going to be any the wiser. So they're working on this. I think that this, that you know, they've been doing this for a long a long time because of the blood diamond thing. Mm. Um, but I suspect that this will be given an extra boost uh, and sense of urgency because of what's going on in Russia at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, this, this is interesting, but why do I find this interesting? I find this interesting because I think it feeds into something that we have talked about in the past. And that is, um, I think this is going to make, um, synthetic or man-made diamonds more popular. Um, so in the part, in the I think was it last year sometime. I think that Pandora mm. uh, was one that was saying that it would be selling more um, uh, man-made diamonds. And I think now I don't know the, the the technical ins and outs, but I'm thinking that 
man-made diamonds are a lot easier to put, to show where they come from rather than um, these other ones. And so, therefore, this is another tick in the box for um, for uh, uh, synthetic diamonds mm. um, because they are uh, they're cheaper to, uh, they're cheaper to produce. Um, so the end price uh, is cheaper and um, and they're better for the environment. You know, you're mining them out of the ground. So yeah, you, you're not doing the same damage to the environment as you are with traditional diamonds. Yeah. And now you've got this thing where you can more easily um, prove the provenance. I mean, it just sounds like that's the way things will go. I mean, I, I, I kind of wonder whether... People are, so apparently the biggest market for these end you know the end user is is actually in America, mm. and I think that if you decide to, um, you know to want to to want to buy diamonds, I would have thought that provenance is going to become in, increasingly into the equation, especially as we are in this current war. Yeah, uh, and if that's the case, plus you've got. Um, uh, price, you know, uh, uh, inflation, etc. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, saving a bit. So you're not only are you saving a bit of money. So um, as you know, you could say that you're saving a bit of money. You're being not. You're being kinder to the environment, and you're making sure that you're not. Um, you know, you're you're not essentially uh, back, um, uh, financing a, a war. Um, it just feels that the buying synthetic makes a lot of sense yeah. i mean what, what 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 do you reckon yeah no i think this is really interesting i think particularly for De Beers because they've been obviously advertising themselves as the destination to go for for eth- mm. to go to for ethical natural diamonds mm-hmm. and i think obviously natural is great i i would argue that you probably can't tell the difference between a natural and a man-made unless you're trained and mm-hmm. so i think that that for most people this was a less important part of that phrase i think the ethical part of that phrase is the bit that mm a lot of people will be conscious of, particularly at the moment, mm. like you said, with, with everything going on, is the average consumer going to want to spend a few thousand pounds or whatever it is, mm. knowing that a lot of that might be going to Russia at the moment? Mm. I, I, I would argue your average consumer, if they know that, wouldn't spend that money. And yeah. I, the reason I think it's interesting you mentioned America being the, the kind of the end point for a lot of these is mm. um, Americans, generally speaking, are quite patriotic, quite a passionate country about, their own country so i would mm. imagine if you tell them actually would you prefer a, a natural diamond from russia or mm. a man-made one that was made in america mm. most americans will probably go for the american-made produce produce mm. because that's what they do they buy american they're very good mm. at that as a country buying home uh, homegrown stuff mm. um i can remember because i think we talked about this when we, we talked about the pandora story i actually went and did some googling because i'm a bit of a nerd like that Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of production, these the man-made ones they essentially heat um, a hydrocarbon hydrocarbon gas mixture really hot. It's so something like fourteen hundred Fahrenheit, oh, yeah. uh, which means the carbon atoms get deposited, or essentially not fall off, but you mean get deposited onto a, some sort of post, and it builds the carbon atoms in layers. Right. Um, so you'd imagine production site that's not going to take a huge amount of space to do compared mm. to a diamond mine. Mm. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I can't, unless you're trained, I, I'm not sure, looking at a, like say a ring on someone's finger or an earring mm. or whatever, I'm not sure you're going to be able to tell the difference. Mm. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so I, I, I think particularly as their process get, process gets better as well. Mm. I, I, think, I think for a lot of people nowadays, the ethical side of that is more important than anything else. Yeah. And 
yeah, I, I think, yeah, particularly for De Beers, who say they are the, the go-to for ethical, natural diamonds. Mm. I, I think it's, it's a big thing to, to be able to prove where these come from. Mm. Do you know what? I want, I just, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I wonder whether, you know, like traditional diamonds and uh, synthetic diamonds, whether we are going to see something that re- resembles what happened with fur. You know, like in in days of yore, the the um, you know it was a big kind of uh, statement to yeah. have a fur coat, for instance. Whereas mm. now, you know, I I don't know because I've never done this and we'll never do this. But you know, if you were were to walk down the the road with a with a fur coat, you you'd be watching out for people carrying tins of paints, wouldn't you? Um, and and you know, trying to dodge people. Um, all the time, so where and and I, I wonder. I mean, the thing is with fur, it's much more overt, mm. whereas, um, maybe the diamond thing, I mean, obviously, it's not so obvious to, to other people, but maybe you yourself feel that actually, you know, do I, you, know, uh, you might have ethical concerns, you yeah. know, I think, and more people these days are attuned to that sort of thing, so I wonder whether there will be almost. I don't know. I mean, if I if I was a firm that was that was making synthetic diamonds, I would be massively plugging the whole idea of this is you know this is this is uh, the ethical, this is the right thing to do. Mm. We're you know we're easier on the planet, easier on your wallet. You know where it comes from. You know, buy from us. Yeah. Don't yeah you could yeah so like you could go. And buy it from somewhere that digs up, you know, large chunks of of earth to get to get to what it is. But at the end of the day, you know, we're better. I mean, oh, that could be a huge could campaign. Easily, sorry, sorry, you could. I mean, you could quite easily show a picture of a diamond mine destroying a large bit of landscape and subtly yeah. make, it, make it obvious that it's in Russia at the same time, couldn't you? Yeah. Without yeah. having to go, it's a Russian mine. You could quite easily, yeah. if you were in, if, if you were on the marketing side, of that quite easily. Yeah. Would you want a, a diamond from here? massive like devastation mm. on the landscape with yeah. a russian flag visible or here and show a little <laughs> a little a little a little village somewhere beautiful in england oh um, dear <laughs> me I, honestly i think i think subtlety in your marketing campaign uh is, is not is yeah needs a little bit of work i'd say uh, yeah i'm not good uh, with subtlety <laughs> for those that, yeah i mean what do i do for a living i kick doors down and about fires <laughs> i'm not particularly subtle as a person <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough but um but anyway no i i think it's it, you know it's an interesting thing um synthetic you know diamonds and stuff very interesting subjects and something we'll no doubt see more of as time, as time goes on but anyway um for today i think we'll call it uh call it quits there um, just to say that um, this Thursday, for uh, for anyone out there, if you are interested, um, I'm doing a roundup of May so far. I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, I know today it's only the 16th, but um, you know um, we can't do that. Usually, we we do the roundup right at the end of the month. But um, don't worry, there's there's a lot of news to cover. Um, so we're going to do it for for scheduling reasons. We're going to be doing it this Thursday. Uh, it's going to be at five o'clock. It's totally free. All you need to do is to um, is to register um you can do that via you know the link we got on our link tree and we'll also be putting stuff out today and there is a link in today's watson's daily as well anyway with all that said thank you very much indeed i didn't get to say the phrase pressure makes diamonds 
because I wanted to put that in somewhere. I couldn't think of a way of shoehorning that in. So I'm just doing it now anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, thank you very much, uh, as usual, Duncan, for your insights. Thanks for having me. Um, and thank you um, for the listeners, for listening, supporting us. Please tell other people um, if you like this um, <laughs> this podcast. And if you can, give us some nice um, uh, reviews. Uh, that would be great. Anyway, thank you very much. See you tomorrow, and uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.